Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. My name's Erin and I'm a hypnobirthing and antenatal instructor, birth activist and all-round birth geek. In this podcast, I chat to experts in the field of pregnancy and birth, debunking myths around birth, diving into the research around maternity care and exploring what is it that means you're more likely to have a positive birthing experience. If you enjoy this podcast, do feel free to buy me a coffee and fund my caffeine habit. Link to my buy me a coffee page is in the podcast info. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. Today we are talking about something a little bit different, but something that I'm really interested in. Um, I've got the lovely Lucy um, on, who is going to talk to us about traditional Chinese confinement in the postpartum period. So welcome, Lucy. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having oh, me. It's a pleasure. Your, your doula recommended that I speak to you. Um, uh, because yeah. I, in, I interviewed her, um, Katrine from Marvel Birth. Um, and I'm really interested to hear, you know, about what you have to say about what you did and why you did what you did for your postpartum period. Um, so what, what, would you want to introduce yourself a little bit first? Who are you and, and, you know, um, give us a little bit of background and then we can talk about, about the, um, the things that you did in your postpartum period with your last pregnancy. Yeah, sure. So I'm mum to two boys. My eldest is six and a half. Um, and my youngest now who Katrine, my doula helped, um, helped me after, um, post-birth. Uh, he's now two years old. Um, I didn't get to do confinement properly the first time I had my eldest, even though my parents were, my parents are quite traditional and they insisted that I did, um, confinement, but, Bit, but because I was quite ill um, with my after the uh, the birth of my first one, I didn't really get to do it. I was in hospital with sepsis for two weeks, um, so during that time I couldn't really do the confinement. And once once I got home, it was just too much to think about um, because I my mum wasn't over to help um, mainly because I didn't want her to come over to help and tell me all the, you know how to look after a newborn. Um, I didn't do it, and I felt my recovery was quite slow. So the second time I had my young, um, I had my second one. I thought well this time I'm going in for a plan c-section um I think I might be able my body might be able to recover um better um and it would be good to actually put confinement into use because I am older now um I do believe in um you know Chinese medicine and the food that you eat right after so you know I was I was, I was a lot more willing to try it this time around whereas the first time when I had my eldest I was kind of like oh well, I'm not really sure if I really want to do confinement and if it really works but this time I thought I'm gonna go and do it um and also it helped that my sister-in-law who was um, living in Hong Kong at the time she had hired a confinement lady direct, where, after she'd had her second and she told me so much um, of what happened during her confinement and it just it just gave me more knowledge and it wasn't just what my mum and dad were telling me so I felt like I had more information to kind of go about like cooking my own food making my own herbal soups um, you know uh, bathing myself in ginger water that kind of stuff so that's where my kind of journey to confinement kind of started because I because uh, I had such a bad post-birth experience with my eldest I felt like second time round I'm a lot older now as well um with the second one that the confinement would be really good for my body to recover mm -hmm. and it's 
So do you want to explain a little bit what confinement is? Because there'll be because it's not really a thing in Western no. culture, but it's actually really common in lots of other cultures. It's not just Chinese culture, is it? Like no, exactly. Other quite a lot of Asian cultures will do confinement. Yeah, so the confinement consists of a, either thirty days or forty days, depending on what you what you want to do. But that forty days, um, let's call it forty days, you are literally confined to home, um, so that you you are forcing your body to rest and recover. And during that time, you have uh, you eat food and you drink soups that are only um, supposed to aid recovery um, for your body. So um, you avoid a lot of foods that can cause like um, you know like um, inflammatory. Um, problems um, and digestive issues uh, because mainly I think um, the, the 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 food choices behind confinement is so that it gives your digestive system a bit of a break so it's got time then to recover rather than spending all your energy on on digesting food that's hard to digest mm-hmm. um, and you know all the soups are like tonics you know they're, they're supposed to revitalize you um, after you know the 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 energy and trauma that you go through from having a baby um so it's a 40-day confinement where you're supposedly supposed to stay at home as much as you can um avoid wind from outside of the house um because the wind in chinese medicine um, can cause a lot of ailments when your body is already weak from birth um so it's staying at home and basically just um following a, a a diet of um you know really good food and um soup to help your body recover in that 40-day period and you mentioned um like a confinement lady like there in China there's confinement hospitals isn't there so people can go and check themselves in and they I'm not sure I've not heard of that before yeah it's a thing in in China there's it's like it's a really big business that they have confinement hospitals so that you go and you stay after birth and they they look after you and they provide all the food and everything um so it's like checking into a spa basically yeah oh that's really good yeah look after I mean in Hong Kong I've not heard of uh Hong Kong is where my family are from Mm. um, and I've not heard of like confinement spas or anything like that but um it tends to be quite normal to hire a confinement lady to come and stay and live with you for the one month mm-hmm. and they'll prepare you know all the food the soup um, and they'll help take care of baby as well so that you can get some rest yeah. Um, so yeah that's quite a popular thing over there but obviously this doesn't really exist in London um, or in UK although there are some confinement ladies in UK that I have found but they're very rare they're really hard to book <laughs> and it's also very very expensive mm-hmm. and I mean I guess our most similar thing I guess is a postnatal doula like Katrine who comes and kind of will will cook for you and will hold baby while you go have a shower and you know provide you with support emotional and physical support um and the the reason that we kind of talked about you know having you on is because Katrine said that she was you gave her the recipes and she was making lots of soups and things for you so what kind of things did you eat when in your postpartum period so the postpartum period um is kind of divided in half um the first two weeks there's a lot of things you have to avoid and then by the second by the uh, third week depending if you've had a natural birth or if you've had um, a c-section you can have um you can eat a bigger range of food. So the first um, two weeks is really about, you know, um, uh, ease of digestion and eating food that is low in salt or virtually no salt. And um, the, the food has to be either steamed or boiled 
um, to and and the lack of oil in the food um, is really is really easy going on the stomach. So I um, in the first two weeks I got Katrine to help me make mainly steam a bold rice. I had all, bold rice almost for lunch and dinner, lunch and dinner. Um, in the morning uh, you're supposed to um, probably have rice as well, but I I couldn't. I just really just you know I couldn't really stick to it. So I just kind of had a, my regular breakfast of either cereal or um, bread, toast, that kind of stuff. But um, lunch and dinner I would stick to my confinement meals. So they would consist of um, steamed rice. Um, and then it would be either steamed pork, steamed chicken or steamed fish. So during that first um, month, you're supposed to avoid beef because um, beef is not good for healing. Um, it's not good for scars. So, um, I mean, I don't know how true it is, but the main proteins that I stuck with were um, were pork, fish and chicken. Um, so all of that was steamed um, more or less in the same way uh, with just a tiny bit of salt, a little bit of sugar, a bit of sesame oil. Um, and that would be it. And then I'd have it with rice. Um, I mean, I cheated a little bit and I had oyster sauce on the side because it was too bland for me. Um, and then and then it would be some boiled vegetables like boiled pak choy, um, you know, boiled lettuce even. So, you know, just like blanched quickly and steamed. So everything I ate had to be cooked. Um, it couldn't be cold. It couldn't be raw um, because raw and cold apparently... Um, brings in cold wind into the body and your body in Chinese medicine is once you've gone through trauma um, and childbirth it's already quite a cold body so it's it's about eating food that warms up the body um, and creates heat so that your yin and yang energy um, becomes balanced again um, so you know it was um, you know steamed food bold food if it was cooled down it was fine I just couldn't eat cold or raw food mm -hmm. and things like ice cream ice drinks were a big no-no during this time and yeah, Katrine um, yeah, was great because um, I, I had written up very rough recipes for her. I'd send them to her via WhatsApp and say, do you think you could follow this instruction and basically cook this? And then she was like, yeah, give it a go. And she was brilliant. And I, I didn't have too, much, too many expectations because, you know, Katrine wasn't a, she, she'd never done confinement before, although she, she knew of it and, and she had a book and she'd read up all about it. So she knew about it, but she was so great and so supportive. Um, and she was, uh, and and the, the fact that she was able to follow um, recipes that I just typed up on WhatsApp and just chucked at her, she was able to do. And it made it a, a really nice experience for me because I didn't have to worry about food. Um, and then she would cook normal food for my family, like for my husband and my oldest. Um, she would cook more like normal food for them. Um, and then she would make my confinement meals just for me. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> I think it's so valuable to have somebody looking after you after you've yes. had a baby because... Yes regardless of how you've given birth, even if you have the most positive, wonderful, spontaneous, yeah. vaginal, unmedicated birth, your body's yeah. still been through a lot, right? Yes, of course. Um, and it needs to recover. Yeah, and I, I think it was, it was, you know, it was absolutely amazing having her to help me. And my whole reason why I didn't really want my mum to come over. I mean, when my first birth, I didn't want to come over because I didn't want to deal with the nagging. I didn't want to deal with her way of kind of like looking after my newborn. And I thought, oh, she's just going to really like really get on top of me. So I said, no, don't come over from Hong Kong. It's fine. I'll, I'll sort myself out. But in the end, I didn't sort myself out because I was ill. Um, but the second time round, I thought, well, my mum can't come over now, even though I want her to come over this time round. Um, 
because of COVID. Um, so the next best um, choice was actually to go for a doula, which again, my it was my sister-in-law who actually said, I think you should have someone to come and help you because you've already got an older one to look after, you know. Um, and at the time he was being homeschooled because all the schools were closed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So we thought, oh, he's going to be at home all the time now. Um, and it was it ended up being absolutely wonderful to have Katrine's um, support to help. I, I I was saying to you before we started recording that my family is quite westernized so mm. although I'm I'm half Chinese my mum wasn't really taught all of this all this kind of stuff although there were some things that she did make me um after I had my children so mm. she made me tons and tons and tons of chicken cooked in wine and yes. lots and lots of ginger um yeah. she's really really nice I mean it tastes yeah. amazing um but was there anything kind of like that you really enjoyed eating that so so the first two weeks where I I I talked about just having steamed food so um when you've had a c-section apparently your body takes longer to recover so it's important to not eat things like ginger so this was a very uncommon knowledge for people who um who do confinement um because I know a lot of my friends in England who did um confinement uh, they all started in eating ginger pretty much straight away. But from what I'd learned from the confinement lady that my sister-in-law had said, no, 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 you do not eat ginger for the first two weeks as you're recovering. And you also don't have the ginger wine um, until at least a, a week after a natural birth or two weeks after a, um, a C-section. So I found that really interesting because my mum and dad had said, just eat ginger and I have the ginger chicken wine, every single meal, um, and you can eat the trotters um, cooked in black vinegar um, mm. with eggs um, almost straight away. But the confinement lady had said, like, no, this is not what we do in Hong Kong as a confinement lady. These are things that you actually introduce um, second to third week onwards. So, you know, the first two weeks, Katrina was helping me literally just make steamed rice with steamed proteins and boiled vegetables um, with very low salt and low um, and low oil inside them. So from the second week onwards, then I was eating a lot of ginger, um, the ginger, the chicken cooked in ginger and rice wine. Um, so I was having a lot of that. And then the ginger is supposed to help expel more of the wind and and warm up your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's quite it's quite interesting that I found out this kind of stuff, um, but a lot later on. And then by the second week, I could eat things like pan fried sea bass um, cooked in like tomato sauce with eggs. So I could eat stuff like that. So I think the first two weeks I wasn't able to eat eggs as well eggs was not a thing that I could eat um and then trotters being my absolute favorite um uh that that is it's a traditional dish of um pig's trotters that's cooked in black vinegar um with with lots of ginger um and you're supposed to eat the ginger uh, as you're eating the, the the trotters um so the, the reason why we eat this dish is because trotters are full of collagen um and you lose a lot of the collagen during the pregnancy process um you know build you're, you're giving your collagen ba- basically to your baby um so you've lost a lot of your own collagen so it's important to have trotters um as soon as uh, i mean once you've um given birth to replenish the collagen that you've lost you know making your baby um but i know a lot of people can't stomach it my sister-in-law is one of those she was like no cannot eat that so she she just um she'd she, um I think her doula had made her a pot of you know trotter and um gingers with egg but she would only eat the bold eggs in there and the ginger and the ginger is really good for expelling wind and all that but she couldn't bring herself to eat the um anything like chicken feet or or, or trotters um because because she just doesn't like that texture of fat in her mouth mm. um so I thought I, I, it's, it's all quite interesting um but if you can eat it you know things that are full of collagen like you know um even like chicken skin um uh cartilage 
pork knuckle, all of that kind of stuff is really good. So if you can't, um, I, I mean, I recommend for anyone who who really doesn't like trotters to actually maybe um, try making this dish with um, pork knuckle because pork knuckle, you get a little bit of the skin, but you get a lot of meat in there. So you could always do that. But again, this is not traditional, um, but it's something I thought of um, that I could do if, you know, for, for friends, maybe I, if I'm, I help them make this when they go through uh, birth uh, so that they can basically enjoy this dish and have a little bit of collagen that they're supposed to have. Yeah, it's a running joke in my household. My husband's from Hong Kong, right. so he's far more Chinese than I am. Um, and he can't stand chicken feet. <laughs> Every time we go for dim sum, I have to eat the entire plate of chicken feet on my own because yeah. he won't eat them. And I love pig's trotters. It's one of yeah. my favorite, favorite dishes. Yes. Um, and every time I see them, like we go to the Chinese supermarket and they have pig trotters in the freezer section. I always buy some. Oh, um, good. You're topping eating. up your collagen. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. Oh, you know, that's yeah, my husband is exactly the <laughs> yeah, my is the same. And him and his sister, um, they're both like no chicken feet, no none of the fat bits and and whatever. But I'm like, give me all of them. I absolutely love it. So uh, it. It I, is. I, I'm so sad that you when I was when I was little, when you used to buy chickens, it would have mm. all the giblets inside. So it would have the heart yes. and the neck and the liver yes. and all of those good bits. And my mum used to boil it all up to make chicken stock, and then give me. The, the the innards of the yeah. with loads of salt sprinkled on it and I would just sit yeah. there in front of the TV and eat it oh all. that's good I think it starts um, from a young age isn't it when yeah. when you're exposed to this kind of food and then yeah. it's, it's it's actually part of the norm I mean with the giblets and stuff that you mentioned my parents would always put it in congee and mm -hmm. then so I'd dip it in loads of soy sauce afterwards and think oh my god this is delicious mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's um there's it's, I think it's really hard to find some of these ingredients I know that if anyone doesn't want to make pig, pig's trotters um there, there there are there are butchers like online butchers that you can order them from so I've I've got loads in my shopping basket at the minute Piper's farm is the the farm that I use um, right. and they sell chicken carcasses and they sell um pigs trotters um they sell beef bones for making broth and things so oh. that's quite good but Chinese supermarkets normally have pigs trotters because it's quite yeah. a a standard thing to buy isn't yeah. it I mean my local um my local butchers has said um I've gone in there before and they said we can always reserve trotters but you just need to let us know because it's not something that we we generally sell um but in the local butchers which is a standard English butchers um they they do what they do sell is a big pork knuckle and that's what gave me the idea uh, um of you know if if people don't really like to have um pig's trotter they can actually use a knuckle because a knuckle has quite a lot of meat but it's got some of that collagen around it yeah and you you mentioned um washing with ginger water so this is yes. another thing that's part of confinement isn't it not, yes. not just just using ginger water to wash your hair and your body yeah so um so water um uh, from the taps apparently consists of a lot of coldness it's a lot of wind even when we're talking about hot water so you know the the, the whoever does um confinement the chinese all, all, all believe that you shouldn't use raw water to wash your body so and and also washing your hair you should abstain from washing your hair you know for the full month um i could not do that whatsoever i think i lasted maybe four or five days and i thought no i need to wash my hair now i really do because generally i wash my hair every other the day um and i think by the fifth day i was really getting quite like mm, no i need to wash my hair so um and i wouldn't be uh, my mum had said to me don't wash every single day as well don't have a bath every day and you're not doing much you don't really need to wash um she said if you do need to have a bath she said just get a towel 
dip it in in boiled ginger water, um, wring it out, and give yourself a wipe down. So most of the, most of the, uh, I think every for maybe a day or two I would do a wipe down, and then by the third or fourth day I'd be like, no, I really need a full on bath. So um, Katrine was great, and she would um, she just um, uh, peel a load of ginger. Um, or, or just um, just cut, cut she all she had to do was cut it up actually she didn't need it to peel it so it's just big ginger um, that I bought from the local Turkish shop which works out a lot lot cheaper and you get bigger better ginger from any of these kind of like you know like Turkish grocers or Indian grocers um, whatever you do don't buy from Sainsbury's um, or Tesco's because you'll spend a fortune on them and it's really old ginger um, so you get a lot um, you get a lot more value for you know if you go to one of these like um, grocers so um, Kachin would just chop it up, um, put uh, put it all in um, a, a pan of hot water, boil it all up, and then carry it into the shower for me. So whilst the water was really hot, I'd let it cool down um, uh, before I could basically then use it to bath. And because it's a it's a it's a pot of water, but it's it's a small pot still in comparison to what you would normally use. Um, uh, for a bath so you have to be very careful how much you use so you know it was always like yeah I, I would have to wash my hair in it first um and then I would still use a bit of shower gel I don't actually know if I was allowed to use shower gel or not but I I, I wanted to so I used shower gel and then it'd be a rinse off and then it would be I couldn't really rinse off with water straight from the shower or the bath um so I would just pat myself down and as I was patting myself down um, and drying myself off the ginger really warms my skin and every part of my skin would be red, um, but in a really good way. It really warmed up um, my body as I'd bath. So I thought, oh yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not gonna catch a cold. Um, and cause I'd had my second baby in January, um, it was quite cold, you know, right in the winter months. And it was really nice to have that hot ginger bath mm. um, and to feel clean, um, but also it was quite warming for quite a long time. Uh, probably about an hour after the bath, I'd still feel quite heated up. It's interesting, but, isn't it? Cause I, I suspect with a lot of Chinese medicine, there's roots in, and, and with, a lot of, with a lot of holistic medicine, to be honest, there's mm. roots in, in, in science and physiology. You know, if you think about the, 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 the importance of um, baby smelling you mm. um, for the, for, for the breastfeeding and the bonding and the hormonal reaction, you know, it makes sense not to wash because, yeah. and not, not using scented soaps and things so that you yeah. are, not kind of disturbing baby's connection to yes. to your, right, yeah. your body um and yeah, I, I think so. and with, with the foods as well you know it mm. makes sense to 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 eat foods like you said that are are gentle on your gut so that yeah. your body is not expending energy on digesting your food so that it can, yeah. it can use that energy to help you heal faster yes so, so I mean I found it really interesting that during the I, I mean I think I stuck with a confinement for about 30 days really and then um into the 40th day uh, uh, I was still eating the confinement food but I was kind of going out into the wind um mm -hmm. I was showering as normal but so for me it was the first 30 days um and I actually have a lot of gut issues generally so I have IBS um I'm tend to flare ups um a lot of food sets me off and during the the month that I was on confinement my digestive gut has never been so good so it really made me see that just normal oils in food um, and additional seasoning spice all of that um, affected my digestive system mm. um, when normal life kind of takes over again um, mm. and I actually I'm having some digestive problems um, recently and I've actually gone back on my confinement diet and it's helped yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it there's definitely something in it I think um, yeah if if somebody is interested in you know looking up confinement foods and 
and what they should be eating and cooking is there somewhere you can recommend for them to have a look yes. at recipes yes so I um I after my confinement um I wrote up all the recipes um properly um that I'd sent to Katrine um and I, I I write a food blog so on my food blog um I've got all the confinement recipes on there so uh whoever is interested and and you want want to you know cook confinement meals um, my blog address is www.lucylovestoeat.com um, and if they um, use the search box and type in confinement, all the confinement recipes will come up. Um, there's quite a few on there because I put, you know, one one blog post as one recipe um, and I've listed them as from week one, week two, week three, week four, you know, what you can kind of eat during the period. So if you follow it, um, it is basically what I did for myself, where the first two weeks you have to be quite gentle on the food that you cook. Um, and then by the, um, the third and fourth week, you have a lot more choice because you can eat everything um, from the week one to two, but you can also add a lot more dishes like the ginger like the chicken ginger wine as well as the trotters um from week um three or four onwards you can start eating so yeah if they go ahead over to my blog um all the recipes are on there so hopefully um whoever uses it will find it helpful because there's actually a lack of this kind of resource in you uh, resource in uk mm. um and also when i was doing the confinement a lot of um confinement recipes or confinement ways and routine were all based in um they were all based in um, China or Taiwan or Singapore, which had completely different com confinement methods and, and recipes um, compared to in Hong Kong. And I wanted to follow a Hong Kong based one um, based on my sister-in-law's um, uh, confinement lady and what she'd introduced. So I would say that, you know, whoever's doing research online, be aware that, you know, um, confinement recipes from Taiwan will vary from the ones from Hong Kong and the ones that Hong Kong will say you can't eat the Taiwanese or the Singaporean will say it's fine just eat it so you know there's that kind of uh, there's that kind of like difference as well um but generally I think all things they're all good for you but because it varies from region to region it's hard to it's hard to gauge um which is the correct way basically mm. thank you so much for for sharing your your story oh, and your welcome. blog having me. I'm, I'm sure people are gonna you're gonna have loads of traffic to your blog now once once this goes <laughs> out because everyone's gonna be like oh I want to see what the recipes are yeah. Um, so yeah thank you so much for your time and um I really hope that people take the time to rest and recover after yes. birth because we put so much effort into planning and prepping for our births and we, we neglect our postpartum period yes. it's really I mean I'm really glad that you know when I had my this um this confinement period it was during COVID lockdown so you, you know there was no reason to go out anyway mm. um and because it was also in the middle of winter I didn't really want to go out and and having this confinement with um, Katrine's help I really did feel my body recover so much quicker compared to my first birth where I was younger um but I had a lot of, I, I went through a lot of physical trauma um but you know this time around it was everything was a lot calmer and I and I felt like this 40 day this 30 day confinement really helped my body recover so mm. I would recommend it to anyone and even if you can't do it for a full month even that two weeks of you know just staying at home not doing anything not letting people come over to visit and just really spending time to bond and rest um it's crucial I think to kind of recovering faster because even when you have like family over um friends over it, it takes a lot of energy out of you just talking mm. um you, especially when you don't get a full night's sleep anymore with a newborn who's up every you know two hours uh, you know feeding um so I think it's important to have this confinement period so yes it's important to mention that this confinement period means no visiting from friends and family as well unless they're dropping off food you know <laughs> yeah and I think everyone should listen to that yeah. definitely yeah <laughs> thank you so much for your time thank it's you so much Erin talking yes <laughs> my pleasure too thank you bye bye
The Better Birth podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung.